Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. probably means I'm all wrong. But you've heard enough sermons to know the probability of this is depressingly high already, so what have we got to lose? Shall we step off the trail and into the forest on this one? I mean, I'm interested in the Areopagus and in Paul's clever imitation of Socrates in his argument. I like that he approached the Athenians with rhetorically through this alley door they'd left ajar in their religious system using an altar to an unknown God to lure them into the big T truth. But honestly, right about now, I have a lot less need for what's clever than I do in my life for what's real. And I think this story is about returning us and returning our religion to what is real. We have a way of wandering from the real, both as a species and as individuals, don't we? As I made my way to the table in our backyard with my books and laptop yesterday, I walked across one of our 2020 coronavirus home improvement projects. Do you have any of these? We'd landscaped the, yard, the backyard last fall, and at the brilliant Brett Norman's suggestion, who paid nothing, by the way, for this valuable brand placement spot in a sermon, at Brett's suggestion, I'd pulled up the old sidewalk that had been poured as a series of alternating trapezoids for you geometry buffs. It was a bunch of triangles with one corner clipped off for the rest of us. I pulled each up each section and spread them apart, leaving about six inches of ground in between them. And last Saturday, we finally got around to filling those spaces with little tufts of dwarf mondo grass. Got the picture? It's, it's very important to understanding Acts chapter 17. Anyway, as I walked out back, I did what any sane person does from the time he or she is about five years old and hears that if you step on a crack, you will break your mother's back. I, now at the age of 53, and even as one whose beautiful mother's gone from us eight years now, stepped awkwardly but carefully onto the concrete and not once onto the spaces in between. Now, the commentaries were no help this week. But I did research the etymology of superstition. Its Latin roots are super, which means above, and stare, which means to stand. The experts don't really know how to stand above came to mean an irrational faith in supernatural powers, but I do. Clearly, someone was standing above a sidewalk and realized with great dread that his left foot was bisecting a crack. You see, it's not hard to reconstruct a plausible explanation for how superstitions arose in human beings over time, is it? Something bad happens, and we want to know why it did to prevent it from happening again. That's self-preservation in its most basic form. Or we wonder if what seemed like a stroke of good luck might actually be repeatable 
and talismans and scapegoats and gods to this and gods to that came to be. But we rational, modern people recognize these feelings too, don't we? The drought drags on and a farmer who knows better remembers hitching up his tractor to the soybean drill one Sunday when he should have been in church. A batter taps the plate exactly three times and tugs on the left shoulder of her jersey because she slapped a triple after doing so one time. I dare say there's bound to be a particle physicist out there who still puts on her favorite sweater when she's writing the research proposal she thinks might change the way scientists see things. Superstitions are common and mostly harmless. In fact, I'd argue that they're closely tied to a defining human intuition that the real reason or the fuller reason for the way things are lies lies just beyond the rim of our present understanding. We're made to wonder about what we don't yet know, to grope after it, as Paul says. So maybe the driving force behind the creation of religions and the advance of science are actually the closest of kin, which also may explain some of the knockdown, drag-out fights they've had over the years. Nobody can get under your skin like your closest sibling, right? Now, we may seem to be a long way from the Areopagus in St. Paul's famous speech, but his story lives very much within this larger story of human beings trying to make sense of their world. And Athens was filled with the artifacts of one culture's best guesses. Critics of religion are absolutely right to say that we started inventing gods to explain things we didn't understand And then we built altars or idols as means to please our imagined gods of fertility or fruitful harvests or softball games or whatever we were straining to control. Which means that Paul's argument is not good news or even news at all if he's just upset that the Greeks worship too many gods or that they've overlooked the one God who happens to be real. If Paul was showing them how to appease the God of Israel, by believing Jesus had been raised from the dead. Well, that's the same old religion in sleek new packaging, isn't it? It's still about how we get God or the gods to treat us well. But that's not the only reason to search for God, and it never has been. Paul actually told of a different kind of search and a different kind of God altogether. A God who is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. A God not who makes demands, but a God whose nature is to give life and breath to the world, the one in whom we live and move and have our being. You see, humans haven't only reached out for God to explain why things happen or to make them happen differently. From the beginning, we have also had a sense that Beneath or within or before all that is, there's not just emptiness or chaos, but something holy, something sacred or true or beautiful or real or whatever ribbon of a word you want to tie onto this ancient hunch, something that it seems more right to address as a someone, but somehow even that better pronoun barely grazes the cheek of. Paul says to the Greeks that their own philosophers and poets had told them the very same thing. That all human beings, that 
All of reality comes from a single source. And that whoever and wherever we are, this source is as near to us as our own breath. If we can just be still long enough to realize or or maybe quiet enough to hear that it holds us. In the center of ourselves, we know we don't need a God who will give us what we ask for if we ask just right. We rarely know what we truly need. Maybe because what we do need first, what I need first, is to turn an ear toward the background note that our lives usually hum along too noisily and too fast for us to hear, toward the one who is that note, the one in whom we live, the one in whom we move the one in whom we have the miracle of our being at all. Amen. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.